Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. This is the leading technology show on Voice America on the Variety Channel. Today's topic is one I've been interested in for a very, very long time. It's drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, remote piloted vehicles, vehicles that are pilotless and are controlled by computers by remote control. The issue today is why now there is a craze out there, uh, the unmanned aerial vehicle, both from a government perspective, military, commercial, as well as hobbyists, has exploded. And I have two guests here today, um, Tom Dolan and Steve Curtis, who I've known for a long, long time. We've worked in this area for over 10 years, and I've asked him to join me to discuss uh, why are drones that popular today, what are the impacts of the federal government, especially FAA rules, and where do they see the future going to? So today, I'd like for everybody to uh, just sit back, enjoy the show, but more importantly, send them some questions. You know, you can hit me on my Twitter or Facebook page or my email today, tomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. And of course, you can always call for our listeners line at 866-472-5788. As we continue our program today, uh, it's drones, unmanned aerial vehicle, remotely piloted vehicles. Uh, You know, I I look at that and the big craze right now, if everybody remembers, was the news by Amazon. They're going to deliver packages and that created a big stir. And so I brought uh, two key guests, uh, Mr. Tom Dolan and, of course, Steve Curtis to help us go through today and talk about both the hobbyist, professional side of the house, as well as the regulation side of the house. I'll begin with uh, Mr. Tom Dolan. He's a commercial instrument pilot, helicopters, single multi-engine airplanes, has over 2,000 hours in flight, and, of course, a graduate of Emily Riddle Aeronautics University. Tom has uh, over 26 years at the uh, uh, New York City uh, PD. Uh, he, He has been awarded the fifth Precinct Top Cop Award, and also the Department of Defense 9-11 Medal uh, for his work in Ground Zero. Tom uh, Dolan, I welcome you to the show today, and I'm looking forward to our little uh, give and take on questions and answers. But first, uh, did I miss anything key on your resume or things you want to bring out? Well, thank you, first for uh, having me on your show. I uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, I feel honored. Uh, uh, I'm actually, I was actually with Nassau County Police Department, not New York City. Um, other than that, I'm a uh, uh, 30-plus year member of the Airborne Law Enforcement Association uh, with flying. I started that when I was flying the police helicopters for Nassau County, which keeps me up off the ground. And uh, this is how I got interested with drones. So from there, everything else is uh, history now. Well, I know you're an aviator, a pilot, and just like me, uh, you know, with 29 years in the Air Force, I love flying, flying drones. If you're not flying, then to me, flying a drone, I have three of them myself, are kind of critical. And uh, what do you think the transition was for you? What what made you get into drone flying? 
Well, just seeing how uh, the possibilities of uh, manned flight, uh, the expense of uh, an actual helicopter going up in the air, which could be anywhere from 800 to $3,000 an hour, depending on what you were doing, uh, versus putting something that was uh, expendable, if need be, uh, up in the air to get the same quality type of uh, information. I'm like, well, get on the, get on the horse and get with the, with the program or uh, be left behind. So uh, that's uh, kind of how I started uh, with uh, the drones about 10 years ago when we uh, first met and started working together on some projects. Exactly. And I'm just looking at some statistics here uh, from the Consumer Technology Association. They said that uh, 2.4 million personal drones were sold in the U.S. in 2016 and about 1.1 million sold in 2015. And I think I read a statistics is going to be over 3 million uh, something drones for the 2018 series. So just the drone sales is really exploding out there. And the uh, worldwide market... Uh, uh, it was about a $4.5 billion industry. So there's there's funding to be made, but most of us, Tom, just like you, I'm an enthusiast. I just like to fly them and uh, see uh, about the adventure of takeoff and the adventure of landing. Can you explain the difference between those two? And how do you notice the difference? Because that's really the two toughest part of the drone flying for me. Yeah, uh, well... I have to first uh, interject something. I'm sure your listeners have been watching the, the Olympics. Uh, it was just two, three days ago, amazing. They had over 1,200 drones up in the air doing an aerial spectacle at night that went into all sorts of different figures. And just, just the advancement since I've been doing it is just remarkable. Uh, but basically, for for me, l- taking off and landing, uh, I started with an S-1000, which was an eight-bladed system. And then within a couple of years, the difference in technology where if I let my hands off the controls, that drone just stays right there where it is, where on the S-1000, large aircraft holding a, a regular size uh, uh, single-lens reflex camera on it, that thing would have been in the dirt in no time. But the, the advances now, uh, taking off and landing, uh, it's amazing because it's pretty much all guided through GPS, picking up at least seven to maybe 15 uh, satellites to be able to uh, um, steer correctly and go in the right direction, uh, sometimes autonomously. Eased up so much in the, the several years since I started. Actually, my newest drone uh, has the uh, you know the increased camera multiplex. Uh, it has a stationary station keeping guidance because of the GPS. So I find that kind of fascinating as you, we fly around the drones. The critical thing is how many how many drones have you flown there, Tom? Uh, I've I've flown five or six, but personally or with a company that I had started, uh, you know, several years back and I have closed since uh, the competition really took off and uh, people that I used to fly for actually went out and purchased their own drones. So uh, the law of diminishing returns, you had to give up sometime. But uh, I had uh, the first one was a uh, basic Phantom and I moved up through the different Phantoms. Uh, I had uh, the, the S-1000, which we were using uh, commercially for doing uh, surveys, uh, multispectral type work. 
And uh, the last one I got, which I loved the best, was uh, the Inspire One Pro. Uh, it had capability of uh, forward-looking uh, infrared-type uh, camera on board, Hollywood-quality films, even for uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the Phantom uh, 3 Pro. Each one of these things, the footage that came out was spectacular. And that's what gets the people wanting to buy these things. They can be their own movie directors with these uh, aircraft. Uh, uh, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, it was, that's pretty good. And and one thing you did bring up, not only the uh, pixel images of the ground and, and the quality of the resolution, it, it is amazing on these pictures. And like you, which uh, uh, I, I was impressed seeing the uh, opening of the Olympics. And for those of you who never got a chance to see that video or the opening of the Olympics, you can go to our Facebook page. We posted it there, and you'll see the 1,000-plus drones, uh, you know, doing the Olympic circles and figures and everything else. Quite impressive, uh, totally autonomous. Uh, it's uh, quite amazing as we move towards the future and, and quite appropriate, uh, you know, the week before our drone discussion here. So uh, what, are, what are significant parts of uh, – or the care and feeding or care and taking of the of the drone itself, Tom, what are the cautionary notes we need to tell the public as they begin to, let's say a beginner begins to fly his first drone? What advice would well, you give Well, uh, aside from uh, really having a drone and going out and purchasing it, uh, you really need to understand the national airspace, the FAA, because even having a control tower being able to see something flying in the area of an airport or a heliport uh, can, can be disastrous. Uh, so uh, best thing is uh, on the FAA, they do have different uh, sites and there's a lot of places that tell you uh, about how to, uh, you know, responsibly fly drones. That's the first thing you need to really do is, you know, be a responsible owner of a drone because there's been too many near misses or people who just don't want to follow the rules that can create havoc. But other than that, once you're flying, be away from trees because that's your number one culprit on, uh, you know, little mishaps. Even though you might hit a branch or something like that, it tumbles to the ground, it looks good, but inspect your drone carefully, closely, because little cracks in it uh, can create havoc and actually make it fall from a large area coming down and destroying your drone, uh, which my la- one of my last uh, projects I was doing, I was working with the uh, Virginia Department of Transportation on one of their uh, overpass uh, uh, lane closures. And uh, on the way back to come and land, uh, a red-tailed hawk was very curious with this little flying critter. What was it? Well, he sure as hell knocked it out of the sky and uh, came tumbling down. Thank God for insurance, I was able to impl- uh, replace it. But uh, from several hundred feet, it uh, it cer- certainly doesn't look much like a drone anymore on the ground. So you were attacked by uh, the hawk there, and uh, it caused some casualty there. So uh, let's yeah. uh, let me just update the listeners. Uh, today's uh, show and program, we're going to talk about drones, unmanned aerial vehicles. 
uh, remotely piloted vehicles, why now and how they will impact our lives. Uh, talking to our first guest, Tom Dolan, uh, a, a professional uh, drone uh, pilot as well as a hobbyist. Uh, today, he's, uh, I've invited him to, to discuss drone flying as a hobbyist and what makes uh, you know drone flying cool and why is there an explosion of the number of drone cells. It's, uh, it's going to be over uh, 3 million drones sold in 2018. And the other type of drones we have, uh, you know, drone is, a, is a, a pilotless vehicle that flies, or it can be a remote control airplane that flies. Uh, the beauty about drones is, unlike a cruise missile, is the drone comes back where the missile doesn't come back. And there's a variety of uh, drones out there. Chinese is leading the market, but there's uh, for DJI, the Phantoms, as you heard Tom talk about, and a variety of, uh, you know, various U.S. makers not keeping up to par, but uh, they're trying to expand their uh, reach with the American audience. And Tom, as you go forward, I, I noticed that you had several um, projects that you worked on. What is uh, the most special or memorable project you worked on? Well, I was uh, able to uh, get uh, a uh, one of the six federally funded uh, uh, FAA sites for testing drones, which is Virginia Tech, uh, to get them involved with a, uh, a large-scale search that was done in Virginia. Uh, there was a missing uh, UVA student, uh, Hannah Graham, and uh, the the search for her was unprecedented and there are a lot of areas that are remote and hard to search and I was able to get uh, uh, Virginia Tech involved with uh, coming out and helping in the search efforts. Uh, first time uh, in Virginia history drones were used with uh, law enforcement. Uh, that was uh, a pretty pretty good uh, you know uh, work for drones it, it, in a positive effect. Uh, other things that I've done is uh, um, some surveying work. I've uh, did, uh, some clips were included in Dave Matthew Band's neighborhood sessions with State Farm. Also, uh, in 2020, they had the Rolling Stone and the UVA rape case. They used some uh, footage from uh, aerial uh, in it. Um, a, lot, a lot of so uh, local law enforcement motorcycle rides. Uh, you know, uh, I still have some stuff left on my website, which is going to be taken down soon since uh, I am no longer in business with drones, but I still am flying them uh, uh, as a hobbyist. It's, it's always always great when you get to see something neat and you want to get a different perspective on it. It's, it's amazing. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, well, uh, that also. is great, Tom. Uh, I've uh, flown my drones. I usually just fly them around the uh, the house, uh, the perimeter of the house. Uh, the question that's come in: uh, Do you need a license to operate a drone? You want to respond to that, yes, Tom? Uh, originally, when I started, you didn't need a license, but you had to have a uh, uh, something under a part FAA Part Three Thirty Three while. They were still trying to get this all together to uh, include drones into the national airspace where you had to get a COA, which was a certificate of authorization uh, from a third 333. And it was time consuming. You had to actually put out uh, notices to airmen to let you know where you're going to be flying in the area, height, times, everything else. And since then, I've gotten my Part 107 uh, remote pilot's license. Uh, that's a separate license from my FAA uh, manned aircraft, and it's for uh, flying drones. 
And uh, if you're going to be uh, going up, you have to register. Once you purchase a drone, you need to register it with the FAA as far as uh, I, I still know. Uh, but it's good to get something like this. Hey, you're, you're joining the people uh, uh, who can get off the ground. Even though you're still on the ground, you get to see aerial views, which is uh, uh, the best thing in the world. It, it, it's amazing. That's what's uh, really attracted me to flying in the first place. You feel almost like God up there. But uh, You know, that's uh, I think that's a common bond for uh, aviators and, and guys who uh, like to look down. It's just that uh, freedom that you get and that sense of uh, invincibility, I guess, at, at the same time. But I'm glad you brought up. We've got about a minute left. Let me do a real recap. Uh, the last question was, do you need a license? The answer is yes, you, especially if you buy a drone. You need to register it with the FAA. And Tom advised us that uh, the 107 flying uh, a form uh, to be submitted. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the third segment. But more importantly, you know, the drone business has continued to increase. Uh, revenues are over uh, uh, $4 billion right now and increasing. There's a, a future growth in this, uh, in this uh, area. And the new drones today are just outstanding. I think uh, one of the key elements that Tom mentioned is the ease. Uh, you take it out and it has a station keeping uh, camera uh, capability is outstanding and it really has made it a lot easier. So let's on, go on to our first break and we'll be back uh, with our next guest, Steve Curtis. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever given any thought to what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option, Rhonda Lukey will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. This is your host, Jose Negron, on the premier channel, Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, you can uh, see this program and hear the program on Tuesday, 9 a.m. to 9, and also at 9 p.m. Uh, today, we're talking about drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, remotely piloted vehicles, why now and how they will impact our lives. Uh, the, the growth spurt, the business application, the commercial application, the hobbyists, the uh, military application is enormous. It's been expanding uh, for a very long time and especially in the last 10 to 15 years in the U.S. I, I would like to give you a quick history before I introduce my next guest. Uh, drones were first, uh, at least the concept of aerial flight was first introduced in uh, 1849. I thought it was a Around uh, World War One and Two, they continued to be used during World War One and Two. At least the concept of it, but it was uh, during the uh, uh, balloon attack uh, at the, in the city of Venice. Uh, the other thing I, I found quite interesting is uh, uh, drones were actually used in Vietnam. Uh, according to the record I'm reading now, uh, it, it used about 3,000 UAV missions uh, over Vietnam, which uh, kind of surprised me. The Israelis have always used drones uh, in the early 70s, and of course, the U.S. began to use uh, the drones during the Persian Gulf uh, Wars in the 80s and 90s. And then, of course, you've been hearing about the drone attacks uh, from our special agencies and with the Predator Global Hawks are there too most popular drones out there. Uh, as we continue our program today, uh, we'll be talking about some of the regulations, and I brought on a special guest, Steve Curtis, an expert in FAA and government agency policies, and uh, we've been uh, working together over the last 10 years on UAS, and we'll be talking about some of the restrictions, some of the policies, and where he, he thinks the agency, the FAA, is going. Uh, so, Steve, welcome to the show. Is there anything no, you, you want to add? Well, let's get jump right on in here. Uh, let's talk about the industry as it expands and the problems facing the FAA. A lot of banter back and forth whether the FAA is going to restrict a hobbyist or restrict commercial use of the drones. What, what are the new rules or what is the current discussion on that? Well, it's interesting, Jose. There's basically three types of groups that fly these outside of the military. We can talk about that later if we have time. But you have the hobbyists and the radio control group that is governed by uh, an organization called the American Models Association have sort of grown up with the aviation industry. So they work hand in hand, and there really never were any problems because of the way they handle themselves professionally. Then you have the hobbyist people with drones, and what really brought drones into uh, fruition was the advancements in, in battery technology. So now you could put a battery light enough to be on a drone and power it for a while. And of course, the toy ones go about seven minutes, but you're getting up to 30 to 45 minutes off of some of the, the, the uh, larger types of, of aircraft, and that's pretty significant. And then you have the commercial applications. The FAA made a great distinction between the two, and um, basically in 2012, Congress told the FAA that we have to catch up with the rest of the world and allow these 
commercial applications to happen because, you know, we need technology to move in the United States. And that's where the kind of tipping point came. And, and really what happened is a whole bunch of people went out and bought Christmas presents and had not the faintest idea of what the airspace restrictions were. And so the FAA was caught kind of blindsided because now you have to allow them to fly. What are the rules? The rules are you try to keep them away from manned aircraft. So five miles from an airport, under 1,000 feet, because, uh, you know, manned airplanes, except for helicopters, don't come below 1,000 feet except by, from airports. And um, basically, if people would have been sensible about it, there wouldn't have been so much hoopla going on about it, but some people aren't, and there was some trouble. So basically, if you live within those lines uh, and nobody complains, you're probably going to be able to play flying your drone. Um, there's there's really no strong enforcement arm with the FAA right now, but they want to move it back into a place where people are going to be sensible professional like the American modelers were uh, throughout history. That's perfect, and I think uh, the the growth rate itself, from a commercial perspective, is exploding. Uh, what 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 type of work would uh, folks be doing commercially uh, that you've been uh, you know, at least uh, discussing in in your projects? Okay, well, you heard from Tom about the projects he had for imaging in videos, and that's mainly what they do with the uh, drones now. Uh, is uh, a real estate agent wants to take a picture of a house, or like Tom did, he took a picture of a construction project so they could see what was going on. And those are probably 90% of what's going on right now. But people are starting to get interested in what other applications uh, can happen with this. We had a, uh, just the other day, about a week ago, the uh, gas company wanted to f- see if we could send a drone out to read a gas meter. They actually can automatically read gas meters from quite a distance. But they, have, they didn't want to send somebody out every time somebody moved uh, to, to read the gas meter. So could we just send an autonomous drone out there and read the gas meter? And the answer is no, not yet. And uh, it brings up another point. People think there, you know, there, there may, be, may be sexy to use drones, but there may be another application that's better for uh, data collection. So when you look at a problem like this, you look at it from a, you know, a data collection problem perspective and open up the whole uh, area of technology to help you. may not be that drones the best thing, but people really are looking at different applications of them. Yeah, the one I'm most familiar with is uh, pipeline surveillance, uh, just uh, in the over, um, overview, uh, aerial overview that you get by doing the drone flight over the pipeline or a uh, power line. Those yeah, are the ones that I see. Yeah, they had the first uh, autonomous, uh, remember Tom talked about the COAs. They yep. assigned a COA for the first autonomous one for actually a railroad. The railroad wanted to look at their railroad tracks with drones. Exactly. And it does not practical to do that line of sight. So they got the first autonomous drone COA to go do that. And folks, uh, if you're out there listening, our, our discussion today is about drone technologies, uh, unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, remote piloted vehicles. Uh, our guest uh, today uh, is Mr. Steve Curtis, uh, FAA expert uh, in policies. And uh, some of the uh, drones we're talking about really from a hobbyist and commercial perspective. Right now, most of the drones, at least uh, are being sold in the world, estimated by Frost and Sullivan, is the DJI, the Phantom. They owned by 70% of the commercial and customer uh, market, Uh, although 3D Robotics, Lulu, 
uh, you see Imperit are uh, chipping away on that. So the U.S. is trying to get into that market. Uh, there was a GoPro uh, um, drone at one time, but uh, it had to go back and be reestablished, and, and we'll see where it spits out on the market. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to Steve Curtis. We're talking about uh, commercial applications. Uh, some of the commercial applications that we've seen is, of course, uh, landscaping, aerial photography, uh, it, power line uh, exploration or utility line uh, lay down. Uh, they just want to take the first look. Uh, Steve mentioned, uh, uh, you know, they want to take uh, an assessment of data collection. Uh, now, with wireless collection of data, uh, that may be an obstacle to drones. Uh, drones are sexy. Amazon introduced, uh, I want to deliver a package with the drones. So that spurred the market, as uh, I believe was Steve uh, mentioned. Uh, you know, one day we woke up and everybody's had a drone. Whether you knew how to use it or what it was, knew what it was, is a different story. But uh, drone, the drone explosion is here. They're getting more sophisticated. Uh, Steve, as we move into the commercial application or even the hobbyist uh, you know, uh, dr- flying drones around airport is a no-no, and that's really where the FAA really gets into our, our hobbyist uh, enthusiasm or the commercial kind of limit that uh, flying area. Uh, flight zone is restricted, and we need to be careful about that. But are, are there any, any other areas that are restricted, schools, hospitals, stadiums that you can bring up? Well, they're they're highly restrictive in, in any place where people gather that they may be injured. So you get a Super Bowl or a or even a football game for a college football game, they'll they'll be they'll be on patrol and they're strictly prohibited for those things. Um, you, you, the, uh, part of the reason the F, the FAA has been struggling with this because they just didn't anticipate drones and they're trying to figure out what they should really do about them. Part of the, and it's kind of brilliant when they have this idea of you can get a drone pilot license. If you're 16 or older, you can take the test that Tom would to, and if you pass that test, you can actually get a certificate certified drone pilot. What the test is is basically uh, an alteration of the ground school for pilots. So now people at least understand the airspace. They understand the interaction between manned aircraft and drones, and I think a lot of what happened early on is people just did not understand the airspace. For instance, people thought they owned the airspace at their house. So um, those kind of clarifications for people who are likely to fly these drones may help a lot. So I don't think people really want to go out there and hurt anybody. I just think they don't understand. And this went a long way to, to, to putting your blanket around some of these people buying drones. And what's the altitude restriction for most drone flying? Well, within five miles of an airport, you, you're not supposed to fly them at all. But the uh, aircraft don't come below, um, winged aircraft don't come below 1,000 feet, except by okay. aircraft. So there, the limit's 400 feet for a drone that's not within five miles of an airport. Okay. And uh, But and, and really, they're just trying to grasp at straws at what a, what a basic envelope for safety would be. If people were just sensible about them, um, and people did complain. The other issue, though, is privacy. People are, frankly, much more worried about privacy than they are about uh, safety, uh, strangely enough. And uh, so, so there's, there's going to be future issues uh, uh, evolving around the drones and the privacy, but actually privacy rules already exist, and you can actually apply those to drones now if there's an issue. 
And the uh, uh, basic premise to that is you have no expectation of privacy except within your house. And so drones are flying around looking in your backyard, that's okay, but if they're hovering around your window, peeking in the window, it's just the same as you peeking in the window. It's it's a, it's a huge it's privacy. It's not okay. Okay. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, not okay. So that that is an issue for, uh, and most drone flyers or hobbyists like to take it up and take the panoramic view uh, versus uh, the the um, window uh, scare tactics. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a real problem. I think people are afraid of it, but I frankly haven't heard a real issue of somebody uh, that's, that's actually happened to. So I don't know that it's really a an actual problem that people are doing that, but people are afraid of it. So let's turn to a little bit of the uh, FAA uh, UAV, uh, what was it, uh, initial pilot testing or UAV testing that they set up. Virginia uh, has one and several other states have others. Uh, are you aware of those? Yeah, the test sites, there's six test sites. Uh, Tom alluded to one of Virginia Tech, um, Alaska, Nevada, Texas, uh, Virginia Tech, there's a uh, couple others, and I can't rest. I think Florida has one. I used to know that years ago, but there's six of them that are set up to where they've actually emerged to the point where the FAA will allow these states to authorize flights so they can issue uh, permission to fly a UAV. And that idea was for the FAA to gather data and what UAVs really are, what their vulnerabilities are, what their capabilities are, where the safety issues lie, and, and you know, how reliable are they? I mean, if they're going to fly for 100,000 hours before they fail, there may be less of a problem than if they're just falling out of the sky. So they wanted to collect all this data on how, FAA, uh, how, how drones really flew, and they thought that if they opened up these test sites, they'd uh, find uh, these states would collect this data for them and send it to them. And it's worked in, 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 in a fairly good manner, and, and each different state has taken a different approach to how they're going to manage their uh, their drone things. But it also morphed into a lot of university-type training and even middle school and high school-type training for drones. There's, there's actually almost all the robotics classes have touched drones in some way or form, so the kids that are coming up to it are, are going to become familiar with them when they hit the, hit the bricks out here in uh, five to ten years. And um, you'll see, I think, a lot of changes as, as people understand uh, the capabilities of them a little bit more in the future. Well, that's interesting. Uh, next week's program will be on robotics. We'll be talking about it with uh, Steve Crow, our uh, editor for the Robotic Magazine. Oh, awesome. And he, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he brings up the fact that, uh, you know, from an, um, a computerized uh, UAV, you know, the digitalization, all that uh, is being, having an impact in the schools. And therefore, as the kids grow up, they'll, ha- they'll be more and more familiar with some of this. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to call it discipline, you know, flying discipline. Yes. Uh, uh, you know where you're supposed to fly, know where you're not supposed to fly, and know the, re- uh, the rules uh, so that you Correct. can stay within the boundaries. And the engineering and, aspects. How are you going to engineer a drone to just different than engineering a ground vehicle? Exactly. So if you want to do a specific job with it, you make a challenge for these kids to engineer it that way. And we've done a, we've got something called Skybot Challenge in, in Las Vegas that we've actually had. We're going to have a fourth competition here in uh, May. And these kids have actually engineered some of the things under the drones. It's amazing what these kids can do. 
Yeah, the enthusiasm about UAVs, computerization, uh, robotics. Uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to next week's uh, discussion. Uh, but right now, as we talk about drones, are, are there any uh, current discussion from a restriction perspective? I mean, the test sites are going uh, established. Uh, there used to be a lot of uh, discussion of what they would or would not do. You said, uh, at least uh, listening to you today, was they were a little bit more flexible and have more authority within that test site. Yes, uh, they actually, they granted them authority to fly not only in their test site, but anywhere in the country if you want to apply for permission to fly. And of course, now that gives the responsibility to the state to make sure the state office to ensure that you know what you're doing. And so it hasn't really, really that much simpler because now they've taken that responsibility seriously. So they're going to run you through the same thing that the, the FAA has run to, but it's taken a little of the pressure off of the FAA to handle all these uh, requests until they can get their feet on the ground and understand it better. I, I know uh, there's a lot of commercial applications that have been run through these test sites just to see what applications work for them. Another one we could bring up is, is first-person view, and that's where the exciting races are coming in. That's just now cracking the the corner of the thing, but it's an exciting way to race your UAVs, and that's where uh, you'll have some of the sports aspect of it, and that's really coming on okay. uh, in, in a big way. Although okay, well, let's, let's table flying that. flying and F- FPV flying is really something the FA doesn't like because it yeah. opens up a lot of, of questions as far as how, how you can see what's around you. Well, it reminds me of the uh, initially the pioneers when they did uh, aviation uh, circus and races like that. But let's table that to the end of the uh, uh, third uh, segment. I'm coming up with uh, 30 minutes or 30 seconds, excuse me, uh, left. Let me summarize this segment real quick. Sure. Uh, we were talking about the FAA uh, rules and regulations, and and basically the bottom line is uh, uh, have common sense precaution. The FAA has uh, instituted a certification process so that that anyone over 16 can get an FAA license and be tested, but that's just to provide you the uh, rules of the road so that you can make uh, sound judgment. And uh, mostly if you fly the drones, fly it in the area uh, that you should be flying and and be aware of the airport restrictions. And about 400 feet is uh, your clear hot five miles from the airport. And uh, and that's basically encapsulates uh, all you need to know about the drones. Uh, you can go to YouTube, learn uh, on how to fly uh, the drone, uh, pick out. There's several good drones out there. I like. I like. I started small and working my way up. So let's. Uh, we're getting ready for our second uh, commercial break. When I come back, I'll bring in Tom Dolan and, uh, and to join in Steve Curtis and I, and we'll do a final wrap up of why drones are exploding and what kind of commercial market we're going. And the last thing that Steve mentioned, uh, the races, because I think that is going to be critical as we continue in the future um, so thank you very much and stay tuned if you want to touch uh, Jose Negron uh, please uh, Twitter Facebook or email me Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. 
Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is a T3 Today, Tomorrow's Technology Show, premier show and technology discussions on uh, Voice America on the Variety Channel. I have my two guests, uh, Mr. Tom Dolan, uh, ex-law enforcement, but more importantly, a hobbyist on drones. And, of course, Steve Curtis is a FAA expert in rules and regulations expert for flying drones. Uh, as we had our initial two segments, we talked about the uh, the technology that drone capability has today, uh, it's improved. It's got station keeping, GPS monitoring, uh, the video uh, resolution, both uh, video and infrared is outstanding. Uh, and Steve's segment, we'll talk about the FAA not being so restrictive, but uh, applying a little bit more common sense. The commercial growth and hobbyist growth in the industry is expanding, and so we need to be aware of it. And of course, uh, knowing where to operate your drones. When we last uh, dropped off, we were talking to Steve about drone racing. I think that's where the excitement will come in, and I think that's the future. Also, the autonomous uh, uh, drone as uh, we continue to expand the technology, both from AI and machine learning capabilities, I think that's going to play a a major role in the future. And then also, uh, you know, right now, uh, for a factoid, uh, they're using uh, drone technology 
to do uh, taxi or install a taxi uh, capability uh, in uh, Dubai. So lots of uh, good uh, information out there right now. Technology is continuing to develop and will continue. So let me turn it over to Steve. Steve, tell us a little bit more about uh, drone racing, uh, how I got started, uh, what do you know about it, and and I think that's really the future as this uh, hobbyist continue to, to uh, buy their drones and and the numbers continue to grow. Yeah, you'll see you'll see this come up as a, a fairly sophisticated sport. I think in the in the next decade, uh, the the development of the what they call the first person view, and this means that you put a a little hood on your head and look into a camera that's on the drone. So you're flying this drone like you're looking through the camera. Very very different perspective and and kind of takes a different kind of flying technique and practicing it. Yes. People are getting pretty good at it. Now, there's huge, sophisticated drones that do this, and there's very tiny two or $300 drones that do this. And, and you can race them. I've seen the races in a hobby shop just racing through uh, little hoops and stuff, and people are really, really getting into this. But this is, you can go on the Internet anywhere and find a, a race where they're racing these drones just as fast as they can through an old warehouse and uh, um, crashing them, and that's what, you know, that's where the excitement's going to come. And, Tom, have you seen that in your area? Uh, I know uh, commercially in your area uh, it keeps expanding the drone business and, and items like that, but have you seen the races or been part of it? Yeah, I haven't been part of it. I've seen uh, se- several here in the Virginia area, uh, you know, uh, being listed now and then. Uh, I, you know, I haven't had a chance to go to one of these yet, uh, uh, I still want to see the Mandare races at Reno, but I haven't made that either. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks pretty exciting. Yeah, it looks pretty exciting, but other than that, uh, I haven't been to uh, one of these yet. I'm uh, kind of like backing out of the drone aspects, uh, trying to get back into uh, manned aircraft things. But uh, it's uh, uh, just just a note of uh, something that was discussed earlier with uh, flying around airports, a lot of the the drones now by DJI and some other manufacturers uh, have software and uh, uh, safeties where if you're within that airspace, the drone is not even going to respond. It's never, not even going to, the propellers aren't even going to start spinning. So uh, that's one of the, the, the things that the, the industry is kind of responsive to government needs because they don't want to see their production being shut down for these reasons. So. So that is fantastic. Uh, I guess if you're not, if you're away from the uh, runway, uh, an airport, and you're within the, the law, which is five miles of uh, less than 400 feet, is where I'd like to keep it. Uh, then you're good. If you're inside, then that's a restriction. So uh, that's uh, a technology safety feature that is added by the companies today. Uh, the other thing that I see uh, important on these races is uh, a. a couple things and one is of course is always the camaraderie that uh, the races form it's kind of like going to the NASCAR races the type of vehicle that you'll see which is the different type of propulsions and battery capability and lift capability that you'll see I think that's always interested to uh, a hobbyist or a commercial enterprise uh, the, the third thing is the speed uh, can it actually maneuver and do the things that it, it is equipped to do and then finally of course the winner will always 
take the biggest pictures and uh, and publicize that. But I, I see that uh, methodology really increasing the drone business, and and uh, heck, it could be a future sport in an Olympics if we keep this up. Any other comments on the drone racing there, Steve? Well, it, it, two two things to recognize. One one thing is FAA doesn't regulate anything indoors, so. If you're not flying outdoors and you're flying in a gymnasium or a warehouse and you're not flying outside of that, then you can you can set your own rules. And uh, the that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also, there's a lot of places where there's restricted airspace, and and um, the people that own the restricted airspace, mostly usually military people, set their own rules inside of that. But they're very loath to fly anything else besides their own stuff in there. They tried to exploit that early on, and the, the military is not real happy with anybody else coming out and flying in their space. So they may be working on that later. And uh, some of the military aspects are pretty impressive. I mean, you can uh, many people don't know that the the predators and the reapers that are flown in Afghanistan, mostly Afghanistan now, the pilots sit right there at uh, an Air Force base 40 miles north of Las Vegas and fly those things. In, in complete interaction with ground troops, it's just amazing to watch. So the technology's there. It's a matter of moving it, moving it, you know, further into the commercial realm. Exactly, and then I I know the other government agencies are picking up, uh, you know, pieces and parts of various missions with drone capability. It does offer an opportunity to search a wide area, and and I I find it kind of comical. Um, I I go back. In my days when I was at uh, headquarters UCOM uh, in Germany and Stuttgart, and we were using drones in Bosnia, and at that time it was very limited. It was like we're looking down at a soda straw, and if you look at a drone today, the wide-angle view, the capability to pick up two, uh, two or three target areas or three or four, you know, items of interest, it's quite amazing the technology revolution that has occurred. Uh, as you said, Steve, the distance uh, uh, to apply the flight aspect of the flight envelope of the drone has increased and I'm trying to remember exactly when it was a couple of years ago I think the Air Force graduated more uh, UAV pilots and pilots at the time so the uh, the drones are here to stay our, our, our show is about drones the unmanned aerial vehicle and it will continue to grow the business both from a military application uh, commercial application and I do see the increase in hobbyists from a hobbyist perspective I think the biggest thing is uh, not only the fun about it, but the educational part of it. The kids who are now flying those uh, drones are learning about artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive analysis of the the system, mechanical uh, display, materials, uh, you know, life of the battery. So I I think all those uh, technical aspects from an engineering perspective is uh, is, uh, neat to watch as uh, the kids go into to the 21st century and learned a little bit more. Tom, as we get closer to our uh, the program, is there anything else you want to highlight? Well, it's just uh, basically I've been, uh, uh, as I've been upgrading the drones uh, over the past few years, uh, I've taken the, the ones that I, weren't use, I wasn't using anymore and have donated to the local high school, uh, the robotics class, and uh, they were getting into that. And uh, on a, a funny note, my uh, son... Uh, I guess he watched uh, Top Gun one too many times. Uh, he wants to be a naval aviator, and his biggest fear is by the time he's ready, he's got another couple of years to go to 
in uh, college to uh, go for uh, OCS. He wants to be a pilot. He was afraid that drones were going to take over his job or they weren't going to need any more pilots. So (laughs) I could see it happening in the future, but... I think he's safe, at least uh, for me, it's the next 20 years, uh, he's still safe on that aspect. Uh, Only because, uh, uh, you know, right now we're testing, and I will tell you, uh, one one man aircraft with three or four other unmanned aircraft. And so that's still uh, in the test mode. But the technology is coming along very quickly. It will happen, and especially the most dangerous mission. But, uh, you know, from a man's perspective and a military guy, a former military guy, uh, we always like to keep the man in the loop uh, no matter what. So uh, uh, coming coming from law enforcement, uh, this is a perfect thing for public and officer safety. It's oh, something yes. where you have to put a human in the way of something, you know, and you can find out what's around the corner, what's on the roof beforehand. And it's, a, it's, it's an amazing technology if used in the proper fashion. Mm-hmm. So. so, Steve, as we uh, begin to wrap up, uh, what are your last comments that you'd like to add? Well, I, I think uh, just in general, technology in the next uh, generation is going to take off and, and just soar. The batteries are going to get better. There's going to be autonomous cars. There's, there's already, as you noted, flying flying cars, drone taxis and things like that. Those will get pressed into more and more acceptance. And in fact, the technology is not the limitation. The acceptance of the public is a limitation. And so just like aviation itself, that it earned a reputation and people got comfortable with it and now we have it every day. I think you'll see the same thing happen with all sorts of autonomous Technologies that comes into our our world, and uh, just be aware of it. Just embrace it. It's it's going to make life better for it. As we uh, as we continue our our show discussion on drones, are there any funny parts of the business that you've run into as you observe either flying and observing or or reacting or seeing someone else uh, on a drone application? Uh, Steve, you go first, and I'll. Well, I, I the, the funniest one I heard about. I didn't see this, but I heard about it, and you got the Hatfields and McCoys going on in the neighborhood where. It ended up with a guy shooting down his neighbor's drone with a gun, and and of course that's against a lot of discharging guns in the city. So, um, actually, you got upset. Yeah. That, that seemed comical to me. I liked uh, Tom's story about the hawk, and and I'm sure Tom's got other stories like that that he can relate. But yeah, yeah, there's there's some comical things that can happen when people try in technology they don't understand. Well, that's perfect. Uh, Tom, thirty seconds. Yeah, it's it's basically uh, you know a lot of privacy issues, which uh, people are gonna it, it, it'll show up in the news uh, constantly. Uh, I I just I'm having a tough time with uh, uh, pizzas being delivered by drone. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, the technology is still not there. Even Amazon delivering boxes, uh, I, I could see if they're not the only ones up in the air. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 still many years away from those type of things happening, but uh, uh, I, I see that kind of comical as, as of right now, but you know, use your imagination and look at the stuff from Star Trek, you know, communicate. All right. All right, we folks, we'll keep, 
Well, keep dreaming. I think uh, the application of the drones and the application commercially of the uses of drones will continue. I just want to thank my guests, uh, Tom Dolan and uh, Steve Curtis, for their participation today. I also want to thank uh, Dee Daniels, my executive producer, and Alexandra Loreno for her outstanding assistance here. And I'd like to thank my audience, and I'll see you next week, same time, same station, and have a good day. Take care. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.